Our first scripture this morning comes from Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 11, and reading from verse 1. Listen for God's words to us this morning. A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. And then from verse 6. The wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put its hand on the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Then turning in Acts, Acts chapter 2, and reading verses 1 through 4. The coming of the Holy Spirit. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them the ability. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray together. Gracious God, we give you thanks for these words, words from your holy book, words that speak to us through the ages, words that speak even to our lives today. We pray that you would open our ears, open our minds, open our hearts to your word, so that hearing it, we might go forth from this place and live as your disciples. For we pray this in the name of Christ, our Savior. Amen. I read the story this week of a Christian recording artist who had rented space in a recording studio. And after an extensive setup and sound check, she began performing her first song. The sound engineer who was there thought everything sounded great. But about halfway through the first verse, she abruptly stopped, threw her hands up in the air and said, it's no good, turn it off, he's not here. The sound technician looked around and he was waiting for some kind of explanation from the other band members as to who exactly was missing. But then the artist proceeded to say, the Holy Spirit, can't you feel it? The Holy Spirit is missing. At that point, she then began to call some of her other friends into the recording studio. They started to lay their hands on the equipment. They were praying for God's presence and even began anointing some of the equipment with oil. After a few minutes, they began singing again. But again, after just a short while, she exclaimed, it's no good. Turn it off. We need to start to pray all over again. 
Again, they prayed. Again, they joined hands. Again, they anointed with oil. They stopped and they started several more times. The sound technician was beginning to get a little bit annoyed. The equipment was beginning to get a little bit greasy from all the oil. And as the singing began for the fourth time, he looked down and noticed that the reverb on the monitor was turned off. He reached down, turned it up, at which point the singer put her hands in the air and shouted, Hallelujah! The Spirit is among us. The sound technician didn't have the heart to say, no ma'am, that was the reverb. We may feel a bit like that about the Holy Spirit. We're not quite sure what to make of this third person of the Trinity, especially as Presbyterians. Today we celebrate Pentecost, that day once a year when we try to take, to make some sense of the Holy Spirit. Pentecost, as you may know, falls 50 days after Easter. It falls on the Jewish celebration of Shavuot, that second great feast in the Jewish calendar. It is the time when the Jews would gather to celebrate the harvest. And as they celebrated, they would, they would remember. They would remember the giving of the laws to, law to Moses on Mount Sinai like Passover, and it was an important day within the Jewish calendar to pause, to stop and remember what God had done for his people, to remember God's deliverance, to remember God's provision. And so that first Pentecost, no doubt those early believers gathered together to celebrate Shavuot. They would have gathered to remember they were God's people, that God loved them, and it's into that event we are told the Holy Spirit was poured out and that those who were assembled were empowered to do the work of Christ. It struck me as I was reading Acts again this week that the disciples are gathered in a room. We're told that they are gathered together in a room not perhaps unlike the locked room in which they gathered after the resurrection. They're gathered perhaps together still out of fear, out of fear that they don't want to attract too much attention from the authorities. They're in that in-between time. They're not quite sure who they are or what they are. They're Jews who have followed Jesus. They are Jews who have watched Jesus die. They are Jews who have witnessed Jesus's resurrection but they're not quite sure of what they're supposed to do next. But they should have known better. They should have known better than gather in an upper room, a locked room. They should have known better that gathering there would have kept them safe. Because remember, it is when they were gathered in that first locked room that Jesus appeared to them after the resurrection. And this time as they are gathered again, perhaps out of fear, it is the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who breaks in in the form of a violent wind and tongues of fire. The disciples are afraid of the outsiders. They want to be together. They probably felt safe in that room, but they should have known. They should have known that it was God they needed to be afraid of. It was God breaking in that they needed to be aware of. It struck me this week as we were 
as I was thinking about Pentecost, that oftentimes when we talk about the Holy Spirit or the image we have of the Holy Spirit is the form of that still, small voice, the dove descending from heaven, the Spirit to bring peace and comfort. But that's not what is described here. Several years ago, Nadia Boltz Weber described the situation when her church was given a set of used paraments. Paraments are those things that hang from the pulpit. She says, my church is like every other church's little sister. We get a lot of hand-me-downs. She says, as a group of us went through these beautiful altar cloths, we came finally to the red set, the ones that we only break out once a year on Pentecost. She said, and there as we were going through them, we saw an image of a descending dove, but it was no ordinary dove. This dove had completely crazy eyes and claws that looked like talons. Somebody said, man, we can't use this one. It makes the Holy Spirit look dangerous. And that is the truth. Friends, the Holy Spirit we like to think of as that dove, that calm, comforting presence. But here, here that is not the case. The Holy Spirit comes as a violent wind, that breath, that breath of God breathing upon them, giving them life, giving them hope, giving them courage. But it's a violent wind. It is not a gentle breeze. It comes not as a still, small voice, but as tongues of fire that gives them all a new voice, the ability to speak in each other's languages. When the Spirit is on the loose, it seems things do not make sense. There are often no logical explanations. Our story in Acts goes on with the people thinking that these disciples must be drunk because... How else could they be ranting and raving and speaking in tongues? Paul says, no, they're not drunk. It's only nine o'clock in the morning, as if you can't be drunk at nine o'clock in the morning. But we live in a world where logical and rational thinking are held to the highest regard. Yet today's text takes us to a completely new way of seeing the world. Were you listening when I read from the Old Testament this morning, not a typical Pentecost text, more likely an Advent text that talks about the coming of Christ, that talks about the ways the world will be turned upside down, that talks about peace, talks about unlikely creatures living together, being led by a child. It talks about a new way of looking at the world. It always strikes me as a little bit ironic that today, Pentecost, is the last Sunday in our Easter season, and then we move into ordinary time. Ordinary time is that long span where everything turns from white, our paraments, to red, and now to green. And we will be with green all the way until right before Advent. So ordinary time is the longest season in the church year. Basically, anything outside of Easter and, Christ and Christmas. And maybe we look at the world in such a way that Easter and Christmas are the high points. They are the celebrations and everything else is a little bit humdrum, a little bit normal, a little bit 
ordinary, and maybe especially as we move into these summer months, it's okay to skip a Sunday here and there, because nothing much happens, right? Pentecost seems to take us in a totally different direction. The people were amazed because the Holy Spirit came upon them and changed them in radical ways. They began to speak in different tongues. They began to understand each other in new and much deeper ways. They began to look at one another through the eyes of God rather than through their own lens of fear or judgment. Friends, we are meant to live in that power and that presence, not just on Christmas and Easter, but on all the ordinary days too. The Spirit's power in our lives gives us the ability to recognize Christ's presence in our world. It empowers us to serve Christ in ways that go far beyond our own imagining. It helps to bind us together as a body of God's people. And that's no ordinary way of looking or living in our world. It is a way of seeing and confronting the world that looks with the eyes of the Spirit rather than the eyes of our own knowledge and understanding. It calls us to see far beyond ourselves and embrace the heart of God for the world. The violent wind brings with it a breath of fresh air, if you will, a new way of being in the world, a new way of looking at the world, a new way of being understood and of understanding. In Celtic Christianity, the Holy Spirit is called the wild goose. And I love that imagery and its implication. The name hints that the mysterious nature of the Holy Spirit, much like the wild goose, the Spirit of God cannot be tracked or untamed. There is within it an element of danger, an air of unpredictability. Seems to me that Celtic Christians were onto something. Some of you know that our third child, our third son, is called Callum, which in Kel the Celtic language means dove. And I must admit, welcoming th a third boy into the world, I was hoping. I was hoping for that calm spirit. <laughs> I think I got the wild goose. <laughs> we like that hallmark image of the dove quietly descending from heaven and gently touching us on the shoulder. But the Holy Spirit is not always like that. The Holy Spirit is the wild goose taking us on a wild ride if we are willing to follow. Without the power of the Holy Spirit, we can all become stuck, seeing the world only through our eyes, only with our background, only with our understanding. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to imagine the world as Isaiah imagined it, to imagine peace and unity, to imagine lives of forgiveness and healing. It takes the Holy Spirit's presence among us to give us the courage and the strength to move beyond ourselves, our hearts, our faults, our feelings, to embrace one another. I believe the Pentecost teaches us that these continued extraordinary moments of the church need each one of us. It needs each one of us to open our hearts and minds so that the Holy Spirit can move in us and through us, male and female, young and old, 
all of us. All of us are claimed and set free by that power. It's not reserved for those who are holy enough or smart enough or rich enough. The Holy Spirit is given to all people at all stages of life, from all walks of life. So that even when we feel that our lives are of little significance, when we are just living our ordinary, everyday, humdrum lives, the Scripture reminds us that the Holy Spirit can transform us, that it is through the power of the Holy Spirit that each one of us becomes extraordinary and can achieve extraordinary things for God and can be used in extraordinary ways. There is no other way of living in the world. I believe we are challenged by Pentecost to live into the life that God has in store for us, to imagine the great possibilities for ourselves and for our church, and to believe that through God's grace and power, we can achieve these things for His kingdom. So let that be our prayer this Pentecost, and that, let that be our prayer each day, that the Holy Spirit would come upon us, that God's breath would fill us, move us, lead us beyond ourselves and into a world far beyond our imagining. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.